season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have Texas native and 2024 Texas A&M baseball commit Mikey Dodolsky on the podcast. Mikey, super pumped to get you on the show, man. Like I said, I've been having a bunch of A&M guys here this past, you know, two, three months. Uh, so pretty well connected with that A&M team, pretty well connected with, you know, you Texas prospects as well. Um, so just super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Like I said, glad to have you. Uh, but no, before we kind of dig into, you know, your baseball career in terms of like high school travel ball, recruiting process, all that. Um, I do have one question I like to ask everybody that gets on the podcast. And that is for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Mikey Dodolsky? I mean, I've kind of always been like a kid that like I've always had to like prove that I can play at a high level. I've had to prove myself multiple times. And to me, it's just. I feel like I'm just like I was just born like a natural underdog, honestly. Okay, so with with you being kind of like a born underdog, obviously you've played for two great travel ball teams, committed to a great Texas and baseball Texas A and M baseball organization as well. Um, kind of take us through how you got connected, you know, with the Marucci Elite, which I saw on Perfect Game, and then the Ohio Warhawks as well. Um, because those are, those are both two great travel ball organizations. Can I take us through how you got connected with them and even, you know, how you were kind of born an underdog and came, to, um, came through all of that adversity? So when I was – it was my freshman year in high school. I wasn't getting, like, any looks from any teams. So the whole, like, summer I'd work out eight hours a day. I was on a strict diet. And then, you know, I started seeing results, but I was still, like, I wouldn't get any, like, recruiting. I wasn't looked at. So I finally went to this, like, workout station called Gold Culture. I went down there. They've built me up. And then one game I was at DBU pitching with um, Marucci Elite. And I hit 90. And that's when the um, uh, Ohio Warhawks reached out to me. And then that's when I started playing with them. Okay. So how long did you play, how long did you play for the Marucci Elite? And then how long did you play for the Ohio Warhawks? So the Ohio Warhawks I played two summers with. And Marucci Elite I've played two falls with. Okay, so how so kind of being an insider, both those programs, obviously the Warhawks have tons of uh, form, uh, former players who are now major league ball players in terms of, you know, Chris Bryant, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, uh, tons of guys like that. How would you kind of compare the way that both those organizations are ran uh, just in terms of, you know, just seeing them day by day and like game by game? I mean, you can tell like a really big difference. Like when you step on the Ohio Warhawks team, it's you're really kind of set into that competition. Like, it's not really coach-led anymore. It's more, like, player-led. And the coaches will give you pointers, but it's really, like, the coaches tell you what to do and the players need to go out there and execute. That's just the biggest thing I've noticed when I play. Okay. So you said you kind of came across <clears throat> the JKR podcast through one of your Warhawks teammates, Nick Cucci. Um, so just kind of take us through some of those relationships you have with some of your Marucci elite teammates and even some guys on the Ohio Warhawks. Um, just some guys that, you know, you've bonded with quite a bit um, and just have good relationships with. I mean, me and Nick, like, we played this summer and he got hurt. It was bad. I mean, but he's like a brother to me. It's same thing with Eric. I played with him two summers now. And, like, I really love that kid. Me and him are, like, really good, really close. We got close over this summer. 
And most of the Marucci kids, they go to my White House High School. So we've been together for three years now. So we've, you know, it's just family. Okay. So for the, how, like how many of your White House teammates are playing for that Marucci elite? Um, Four of them. Okay. And are all those guys power five commits like yourself or most of them? Uh, doing the no, sir. Most of them are uh, uh, D1 Jucos. D1. Okay. All right. Um, so what, so, so talking about relationships a little bit, like what's your relationships like with um, that Warhawks coaching staff, with the Marucci coaching staff as well? Um, just what are some different relationships you have there with some different coaches? I mean, with the Ohio Warhawks, it's just like another home. It's just uh, you walk in there and it just treats you like family. I joined them late. And when I joined, they made me feel like I've never, like I've never missed a day there. It's, it was one of the best experiences I've had. All right. So with all the, with the, those two teams that you've played with for the majority of your travel ball career, I'm just going back at it. I mean, obviously this summer is going to be, you know, your last season playing summer ball as you head into your senior year. Uh, but what are just some, some of your favorite, you know, some of your favorite memories that you've kind of came across upon uh, when it's, you're just playing travel ball, whether that's, you know, uh, messing around with the hotel room or actually like, you know, like a moment within the game, uh, just kind of take us through what some of those, you know, favorite memories are uh, just playing travel ball. So probably when my teammate uh, Gian walked off the game in the WWBA to like take us to the like championship game, that was like, it was a surreal moment because he was talking like he was having a bad tournament and like that one like hit he had, it just changed like the whole mentality in the dugout. Like we felt like we could go and win the next couple games. Okay. So obviously, like I said, like this 2023 summer is kind of your last summer or just the last summer for all you 2024s when it comes to travel ball. um, So what are some of your goals, you know, as we flip the calendar from 2022 uh, to 2023, uh, just what are some of your goals um, in high school ball and in, and during the summertime? Uh, just what are some of those goals as you head into your final year? I mean, my goals, I obviously I want to like, I want to be seen by um, higher levels more than college. You know, I want to raise my draft stock. And I just want to have a good summer and have fun one last time with my teammates really. Okay. All right. So let's kind of transition a little bit um, to the high school side of things. Um, so you're playing there down there in Texas, which obviously I say, I've said this hundreds of times here on the JKR podcast. I would say Texas is one of those top tier baseball high school states. Um, obviously, I think that's known to everybody. Um, I would say, you know, Florida, Texas, um, California, mm -hmm. Arizona, and Georgia is kind of like, you know, those five states that I kind of grouped together. Uh, but just kind of take us through what high school season was like last year, you know, being a sophomore down there in Texas, playing up against some great competition. Uh, what did that look like in terms of, you know, on the personal side of things and even uh, talking about the team, how the team performed? I mean, you got to have like when you're playing here, you got to have really thick skin. You can't be soft when you go out there to play because the competition down here, it's tough. You're going to go through multiple slumps in the year. It's going to be hard on your mental side, really, to play at a high level constantly. But I mean, when you're with like your brothers and all that playing, it's just fun. And we didn't want to end the season as early as we did. But I mean, I think we still had a good year overall. So what does that competition level look like when it comes to, you know, that re that regular season schedule you're playing or even teams that you'll potentially play, you know, in the state tournament, state championship? Uh, what does that look like when it comes to, you know, other power five commits uh, that you're facing up against in the spring? I mean, a lot of the time it's just crazy to like understand. It's like sometimes I sit in the box. I'm like, man, I can't believe like his balls coming that fast or moving that much. It's a real big adjustment. I mean, I just I think Texas is one of the top baseball states around, and it's so like I'm glad I was I play here because it's preparing me for the higher level. 
So what would you say, obviously you finished your sophomore spring last season. What do you think would be tougher when you are, you know, a freshman, sophomore, 14, 15 years old, playing up against some of those 17, 18 year olds who, you know, probably have beards, mustaches, probably, you know, throwing like 92, 93 off the mound at times. Would it be tougher facing that on um, some of the older guys or when you're facing some of the actual top tier talent of your age group in travel ball? Um, I would say top tier talent group. It's just some of them, like some people in my class, they're just, they're just crazy freaks and they're just really great athletes. A lot of here is, I mean, you'll see that comp, you'll see it like every other day. But when you're down there in Georgia facing all the top, the top people in my class, you just see it every game. You have to be on your A game the whole time. You can't take a rep off. It's every pitch. You have to win every pitch. So who, who in your mind, who do you think the toughest, you know, player that pitcher that you faced in high school ball and maybe the tough, toughest pitcher you faced in travel ball so far? Um, This one kid from Lufkin, his name's Babo Hinojosa. He, he probably sat around 92, 93. His off speed is it's really nice. He's probably one of the best kids I've seen in high school. And um for a summer ball, hmm, I don't really know. I mean, we played this one kid on um it was like Miami, Florida International, something like that. And he was really, really nice. His name was Derek. I can't think of his last name right now. It wouldn't be Derek Schaefer, would it? I think it might have been. Okay. All right. I mean, I know he's, I know he's, he's a lights out pitcher. I actually, he mm -hmm. might be a 23, you know, some, you know, I, I talk to, you know, all these guys, sometimes I kind of forget uh, what, what, if they're like, you know, a 23, 24 or 24, 25, sometimes I kind of, you know, forget about that after I've done talking to them. Uh, but no, like, so you said last season in high school, it didn't end the way that you guys were wanting to. Um, so what is the outlook on this upcoming spring in 2023 um, as you head into your junior year? Are you guys, you know, planning on competing up against some of that top talent in Texas? Or kind of what what is the outlook on this upcoming season? I mean, how I see this year is if we don't if we don't make it to state and win state, it's a fail. It's a failure of the year. We have the pitching staff and we have the hitting. We should be there. We should be in Round Rock, Texas this year. OK, so besides yourself, who are some other guys to be on the lookout for um, on, on your high school team? Um, JJ Adrago and uh, Braden Bean are the two, like I believe, are some of the better kids on our team. Okay, and then even taking that a little bit further, um, for you know, you know, just regular baseball fans in general, um, who do you think some guys have flown underneath the radar, um, to be on the lookout for for your White House high school team? Uh, once again, JJ Adrago, he's a uh, class of twenty twenty five, but that kid can fly. He can hit consistently. He's one of my favorite players to be in the outfield when I'm pitching because he can just run balls in the gap. That should be doubles, but he caught and makes some outs. I mean, it's just it's a real blessing to have him in the outfield. And um, a football commit, he's committed to um, OSU, Jamad McCoy. He is really good as well. Another another just fast case. He can run fast, hits for power. There's two of my favorite outfielders. Okay. So, you know, when you're playing high school ball down there in Texas compared to when you're playing travel ball, um, is there a different approach, you know, when you're playing ball and when it comes to the hitting or pitching side of things? Like, is there a different approach? Or for the most part, you kind of keep your approach the same, even though, you know, you're facing um, different types of talent uh, in both of those different groups? Um, I try to keep it the same because if I start thinking too much, I'm going to throw myself off. My approach is going into it. I try and I psych myself into thinking that the pitcher has to come pitch to me. The pressure's on him. And the pitcher's creating the power for me. So if I can just get my barrel there, then, you know, I just get more extra base hits and hits like that. 
Okay. All right. So here's a question about travel ball. We'll kind of dig into, you know, one, one more question of travel ball, kind of dig into the recruiting process. Um, so this is one question I kind of like to ask everybody. Um, and for the most part, I feel like I kind of get the same answer, but, you know, I'm going to go ahead and ask it anyway. Um, so, you know, you're, you're traveling across the country all the time uh, playing for the Marucci Elite or um, the Ohio Warhawks. I mean, you're going to some some pretty great facilities when it comes to, you know, like how the field, uh, how the field is, um, all that different types of stuff. What is your favorite travel ball facility that you've played at so far? Um, probably JetBlue in Florida. So what, what was that experience like at JetBlue? So the first time I went, like, I didn't know what to really expect. I thought it was just going to be some, like, dirt field that was just, you know, just an everyday baseball field. But when I went there, it was just awesome. The experience I had with the team that I went, it was just awesome. I mean, that might just be why my answer is like that. But a lot of it is just awesome. The whole tournament was fun. Even though we lost, it was just fun to be there with the team. Okay. All right. So uh, taking this question even deeper, East Cobb or Lake Point? Uh, I'm definitely a Lake Point guy myself. Lake Point. Okay. Well, that's that. Like I said, that's kind of the answer I get for the most part when it comes to people saying their tra favorite travel ball facility. Um, I've never been to Lake Point. I've been to East Cobb, and I mean, I thought East Cobb was nice, but all you guys saying La uh, uh, Lake Point uh, makes me makes me feel like I need to go take a trip there um, <laughs> here in the here in the next you know year or two as I start kind of my recruitment process as uh, becoming that certified agent after graduation. Uh, but no, let's kind of dig into your recruiting process a little bit. Kind of what ended you up at Texas A&M. So, you know, you're staying home, staying in the state of Texas. Um, so kind of take us through that recruiting process. Um, just kind of how it got started for you. And just, you know, some of those initial teams that reach out to you. So the first team that ever reached out to me was the Texas Longhorns. And they offered me first. But what brought me to Texas A&M was they'd constantly talk to me all day. They'd make me feel like I was joining a family. Whereas Texas, I would like talk to him every other month. And it was really because a lot of influence was my high school coach is a huge Texas A&M fan. And it just kind of like traversed over. We do Texas A&M workouts at our high school. We we have like, we copy the same weeks on game days. I mean, it's just, I was built around that culture. So it just felt right to go to Texas A&M. Okay. So with the Longhorns being that first Division One team to reach out to you, um, who were some of those other schools that reached out? And what were some of those initial conversations like, you know, with those coaching staffs? Um, the, and then next was um, FIU. FIU, they just wanted me strictly to pitch. And I don't know if that's what I want to, like, settle down and do. I just don't like when colleges, like, put labels on me because I really don't know what I am yet. I play both positions and both spots really well, in my opinion. And I just don't know. I don't want to, like – you know, waste my talent if I could be better at this one spot. Okay. So kind of take us through what some of those initial conversations were like with the FIUs, the Texas A&Ms, the Texas Longhorns. Uh, to kind of take us through, you know, what the general conversations were like. And then for the most part, um, did most of the coaching staffs kind of have the same way going about those first phone calls? Or did, you know, some schools kind of take a different approach? Um, most of the schools had like the same way of talking to me. I mean, just a lot of it was, a lot of it was surreal. Like, I've always dreamed about being a D1 athlete or, like, gotten that opportunity. And now, like, I get to prove myself that, you know, I've made it this far. It's just – it was, like, I couldn't believe it, really. And then my parents – it was just great to be around my parents, seeing my parents proud. That was just, like – that was a real moment for me that I realized, you know, I can do this. 
I, I've made it here, so why stop here, you know? Yeah. So as you were going through that process, you know, of choosing between the Longhorns, FIU, A&M, uh, potentially some other schools that reached out to you as well, uh, what were some of those key things that you were looking for uh, within a school, within a coaching staff, uh, within a campus? Like just what were some of those key things you were um, on the lookout for? So I was looking out for uh, the best business major in Texas A&M has one of the best business schools around. And a lot of it was, it was just based off of my feeling. Like if I felt like it was going to be another way, another home away from home, then I want, I want to, I want to go there. I don't want to feel like an outsider looking in on the school and Texas A&M just felt like another home to me. Yeah. So do you kind of remember that day where it kind of came across your mind? Okay. Texas A&M is the place I definitely want to go. Yeah. Um, yes. I was at my little brother's football practice and I was sitting there because I was I was already thinking about wanting to commit. And then I finally made my decision. I was like, OK, I want to be I want to be a Texas A&M Aggie. I realized then and there. I don't know why it was there, but I just realized I want to I want to go play there. OK. All right. So um, obviously committing to A&M there a little bit ago. Uh, what were some I mean, I guess. Did Texas or FIU or even another school, did they potentially finish, you know, as a close second or a close third when it came to, you know, just your overall decision process? I mean, by far, I don't really think so. I think Texas A&M was where I was always supposed to land. It just feels right. I mean, tech, don't get me wrong, Texas is a great school, but I just believe Texas A&M is the right place for me to be. Okay. So I don't, I'm not from Texas. I'm from Indiana. Um, I've been to Texas one time. Uh, so I don't really know like the whole state geography. Obviously I know the big places like, you know, Dallas, Houston, I know where college station is at, you know, in that little triangle between those three big cities. Uh, but where, where you're at in white house, like how far is that from Austin and how far is that from college station? So from Austin, it's about three and a half hours and from college station it's about two hours and 45 minutes. Okay, so I guess that's kind of the same. So where are you at when it comes to, you know, just that Texas geography? Um, I'm in the east part of Texas. You might know it better. Like, it's around Shreveport and um, Tyler area. Okay, how far is that from – is Texarkana close to that as well, or uh, – Texarkana is, like, an hour and 45 from us. Okay. Man, I mean, Texas is just so huge. I mean, mm-hmm. you, said three, you said three hours and 15 minutes just to get to, you know, like – I feel like Austin's kind of the middle of that state. I mean, here in Indiana, you drive three and a half hours, you're you're pretty much out of the state, pretty much <laughs> no matter where you're at. Uh, it's kind of kind of crazy. Uh, but no, so with you being an in-state kid, kind of staying in-state, do you have some pretty good relationships with some other guys who are committed to AM as well? Oh, yes, sir. One of my uh friends that I played on a select team a long time ago, Trey Craig, um, Ter- uh, Terrence, uh, Jake Navarro, we all talk constantly. It's just a lot of us are deciding to stay in state and Texas A&M has this like talk to our teammates. So we build that relationship before we get on campus. Yeah. And do you know who you kind of have a rough idea who you want to be your roommate, you know, when you hit their freshman year? Uh, yes, sir. I do. Okay. Who is that? Uh, I want Trey Craig to be my roommate when I get there. Okay. And you also said that um, Texas A&M, another big part of choosing them was the whole business program and from what i've heard like you said texas a&m does have a pretty great base uh business program um so like what's your reasoning for wanting to study business and is there a certain you know like finance or accounting or something similar to that um you want to study in specific so um i want to open up my own like baseball academy to kids that are underprivileged and they don't have enough money to play that's been always my dream because that's where i was that's where i was born around i was born around 
I was born around all that. So I just want to give back to the community. And I feel like if I can own my own business, I can open up my own baseball team and create an academy. Okay, there we go. Love that idea. Um, so just digging more in a little bit to relationships. Um, what's your relationship like with that AM coaching staff? Obviously, had to be pretty good for you to commit there, for you to call it like you know, your home away from home, like you said there a couple minutes ago. Um, so just take us through what some of those relationships are like with uh, those different coaches on that AM coaching staff. So the first coach that um reached out to me was Nolan Kane. And Nolan Kane, he's just made it feel like he's my best friend. Like I can go and talk to him. If I'm struggling with hitting, I can talk to the hitting coach, Michael Early there. And Coach Slosnagel, he I mean, he brought our team back from dead. I mean, we weren't ranked this last season, and then we jumped up all the way to five. So, I mean, obviously he's doing something there, right? And I want to be part of that winning culture. Yeah. And that head coach at AM, like, didn't he he moved from was it Texas or he moved from another um, school? It was he? uh TCU. TCU. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's going to be kind of interesting to see how that plays out, you know, like that maybe a new rivalry that kind of starts out there down there in Texas with him, you know, transferring from TCU to A&M to go be the head coach. Um, so that's kind of cool. Uh, but, no, since – so with you being a junior, this past September 1st is kind of, you know, that that big deadline that most, you know, recruits or commits kind of look forward to because you don't have to go through whether, whether that's your high school or your travel ball coach to go talk to uh, the college coaches um, so kind of take us through what that was like, you know, before that September 1st deadline compared to what it's like now after um, all those NCAA regulations were kind of taken off your shoulders. So before I could like actually talk to my coach, I'd have to go through my high school coach and my summer ball coach and like ask him questions like where could I, where am I going to play? Am I going to start there? But now I can, you know, I can ask the coach, you know, what did they see in me? What like what potential do I have? And, you know, has anything changed? I can do that all by myself and I can actually talk to the coach and then keep in touch and they, we can still like keep that connection. Okay. All right. So kind of moving a little bit um, to the on the field stuff. So like you said earlier, um, you are a pitcher and a hitter. You don't really want to put a label on what exactly you are going to be in college. Uh, but what do you think is going to be like some of those key, uh, I guess, key points or key decision makers when it comes to, you know, kind of finally choosing whether or not you're going to be a two-way or a pitcher or a hitter in college. How I see it is um, whatever Texas A&M needs me to be. If I need to be a hitter there, I'll be, I'll hit there. If I need to pitch, I'll pitch there. It's okay. just solely based on whatever the team needs me to do. Okay. So if you could pick a favorite, what do you, what do you think that would be? Um, I definitely think pitching is my favorite thing to do. Ooh, okay. All right. Uh, sometimes when I ask some of the two-way players, a lot of them say hitting's their favorite. But I mean, I mean, pitch, I mean, pitching's fun is fun too. Uh, so let's kind of mm -hmm. dig into pitching a little bit. Um, so kind of let's take through your let's just kind of go through your arm care uh, your arm care routine a little bit. Um, so right now with it being December, obviously you're not throwing as much as what you would, or you're potentially even shut down for a little bit right now. Uh, so kind of take us through your what your arm care routine is and kind of what your you know your off season deload or your off season ramp up is. So we're starting to ramp up back again. We're doing. We're doing this ramp up program from it's when our uh, one of our players got hurt. He reached out to an arm care doctor down in Dallas. Now we're doing his arm care program. We do plyos every day. We're starting to throw bullpens three times a week and long toss um, four times a week. OK, so kind of digging through your pitching repertoire a little bit when you're actually, you know, on the mound in a game, uh, take us through what those different pitches you have in your repertoire and potentially, you know, what those certain grips are or even like, you know, your velos or certain uh, aspects of those different pitches. So one of my favorite pitches to throw is my slider. And I like to throw my slider 
on the um, horseshoe with the ball and I like to put pressure on my middle finger. I just feel like I get the most spin out of that. And then I'll throw a cutter and a two seam and I hold those pretty much really similar. And then my next go-to pitch is uh, my sinker. And I hold that on the top of the horseshoe and I press down with my uh, ring finger and I get a lot of vertical movement from that. Okay. So what pitch, so out of all the pitches that you are throwing right now, um, what do you think, what pitch do you think might need the most work? Uh, probably my changeup right now. It has good movement, but I just can't really control it sometimes where it's going to go. Okay. So when you are trying to work on a pitch, how do you kind of go about that? Um, I like to get like a high speed camera and watch it in slow motion, see the circle I'm getting. I'll color on the baseball so I can see like the light flash and see how it's actually moving. So you're, are you a big technology guy when it comes to, you know, like track man, rap soda, stuff like that, all the pitching technology that's out there? Yes, I, I do believe in all that technology stuff. Okay. I mean, it shows you data that like you can't like see with the naked eye. Yeah. And what experience do you have with some of that technology? Like how did you kind of get introduced to some of it? And um, I guess just what, what's some of your knowledge on that technology at this point? Um, at the facilities, at the facilities I used to work at, work out at, I would see all the technology and I would, I would question it. I would want to see it. So sometimes I'd hop on, I'd see it. I'd see all this spin. I think that was cool. So then finally our high school finally got a rap soda. So now like when I'm pitching in a bullpen, I could see like what exactly is going on, what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong. All right. So digging a little bit more into your pitching repertoire, um, are you pretty dead set with those pitches that you have right now? Or do, could you see yourself, you know, within the year or two, um, potentially adding another pitch as well? Um, I'm I'm welcome to adding any pitch, you know, whatever helps me, you know, be better. I'm I'm welcome to doing anything. Okay. So when it does come time to, you know, potentially add another pitch or even pitches that you've added in the past, uh, kind of what's your process of adding a new pitch? Because I know some some pitchers do kind of go about it different ways than others. Um, so for you, like, what's your kind of process of adding a new pitch to your repertoire? So I basically base it off of all the pitches that I have and use in the game. So if I have more vertical pitches and horizontal, then I want to add a horizontal pitch. But right now I need another vertical pitch. So I'm using um, – I want to throw a tighter 12 and six curveball. So that's what I'm trying to go through right now. Okay. All right. So flipping around a little bit to the hitting side of things, um, kind of take us through what you what your approach is. Obviously, a uh, one year in the on deck circle, kind of watching the guy in front of you, watching the pitcher, um, all the way up to when when you're walking up to the batter's box. Just kind of take us through your approach and what you're kind of doing trying trying to do with each at bat. Um, my big thing is I like to watch the arm angle. I like to watch like his front hip and see when it closes off and opens up. My big thing when um what I'm trying to do is I'm trying just all I'm trying to do is hit a backline single or a backside single because I stay on time and if I'm early it's a drive up the middle. Okay. So could you kind of dig through the mechanics of your swing just from you know that load up all the way to that follow through or that finish? I so I don't really like I don't pick up my foot I just kind of like I do a little toe tap and I try and get all my lower half into my swing. I used to be just all upper half but now I've been experimenting using my lower half and I'm seeing a lot better results. Okay. So if you were a scout watching your game, this could be, you know, in the dugout, on the pitcher's mound, in the field, in the batter's box, uh, what would be that personal scouting report on yourself if you were a scout having to write a report? My personal scout, I mean, it's just, I mean, this the kid competes in any situation I'm going to compete. It's just, I just need, I have that feeling of, I just, I just can't be outworked. I just can't be outplayed. I need to go out there 24 seven, do my best. 
All right. Well, I love to hear that. You know, I always love uh, talking to guys who talk about how their hard work is kind of above, uh, uh, head and shoulders above um, other players. I'm always always enjoy talking to you guys. Uh, but no, kind of what are some things that you're wanting to work on when it comes to, uh, I guess, before you head to A&M's campus? What are just some of those big things that you're wanting to key, key in on uh, before you head to head to college? Um, I want to be able to be more consistent at the plate because sometimes I'll fall into a slump. And I'll just get in my head. I'm not able to get out of it for a while until I just realize I just need to relax. That's my biggest thing is sometimes, you know, I just get in my head. I start thinking too much, start trying to do too much. When I just try and just do what I'm supposed to do, you know, it just works. Yeah. So when you aren't pitching and you are playing, you know, somewhere in the field, um, I know on perfect game you're listed as, you know, like a second, a second baseman, shortstop, third baseman, outfielder. I mean, I feel like you're pretty much every position out there besides catcher um, listed on perfect game. So what, like, what's the kind of the main positions you are playing when you are out there in the field? Um, I usually play left field, shortstop, third base, and sometimes second base. Okay. I mean, that's kind of a wide variety of positions. So like, how do you kind of adjust going day to day or even game to game within a tournament, uh, just playing different positions? Like, do you have a different mindset compared to where you're at in the field or kind of just take us through uh, kind of when, you know, you're waiting for that coach to put up that lineup card to kind of see where you're playing at that day. If I'm at third base, my my whole fielding theory changes. At third base, I'm not really trying to catch the ball. I'm just trying to block the ball because I'm I'm so close to the point where I have I have time to throw the ball. But when I'm at like in the middle infield, I, I want to catch it. I want to, you know, be smooth. And when I'm in the outfield, I have time. I have a lot of time. And I want to track balls down for my pitchers. Okay. All right, man. Well, I've got five more questions here for you. I kind of have these rap- these five rapid-fire questions I kind of like to end off each podcast with. Um, so question number one. So obviously playing for the Warhawks, playing for the Marucci Elite, playing down there in Texas for a good high school baseball program, you've definitely had some great coaches, uh, some great baseball minds that you've learned underneath. But who do you think are the most influential people? Um, This could be two to three people uh, just you've had so far in your baseball career. Um, Number one is probably Terrence Kennedy. Number two is Coach Rossi, and uh, number three is probably Coach Vaughn. Okay. And what are the reasonings for those three guys to be kind of your most influential people? Uh, uh, Coach uh, Kennedy, he's like, he's like, he's always been there since I was 12. He's always believed in me. He's like my backbone. I can go to him if I need, if I'm just struggling and I need help, I go to him. And uh, Coach Rossi was the reason why I, um, I started. I started um on the Warhawks. He's the reason why I came there. And Coach Vaughn, he's he started uh helping us with the Warhawks. And he's just been a really great like mind like just pick and sit there and listen to. Because he's played at he's played at that big time level and like I've understood just the little things learning from him. It's just been a great thing to listen from someone that's been there and done. Yeah. All right, man. Well, um kind of when you're moving away from the baseball field a little bit, um, what are some of your passions you have beyond the baseball field? Uh, one of my biggest passions is I just love to like to help people that are just are less fortunate. I just find joy in just helping other people. I'm more of like um, a giver and not a receiver. Okay, so I guess that kind of moves it moves moves us into that third question. Um, so kind of what is it that motivates you? Obviously, you've talked about that a little bit. You know, helping the the people who haven't haven't been blessed with as many things as other people. Um, but what is it overall that kind of just motivates you? You know, to get up every day, uh, continue to get better. Um, and just, you know, go win the day. What is it that motivates you to do that? A lot of it, it has to do with God because God has a plan for me because if he didn't have a plan for me, I wouldn't wake up every day. And 
another thing is I just don't want a kid to have to go through, you know, what kids should have to go through. Kids should be running around and playing. They shouldn't have to be worrying about what they're going to eat tonight, where they're going to sleep tonight. Digging into kind of what you want your life to look like here in about 20, 25 years. Um, let's say everything's going right. What does that perfect picture of your life look like here in 20 years? I just want to be able to like give back to the people and be happy with someone. I want to have probably three kids in an apartment somewhere. I just, you know, I just want to have a happy life, really. I don't know how to explain that. All right. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's a common answer <laughs> on the podcast. I mean, I asked that quite, like I said, I mean, I asked these five questions to end off pretty much every podcast and they're all, they're all very, uh, they, they're all um, pretty similar when it comes to that. You know, like most people say, oh, I want to be happy with my wife, have a couple kids. Uh, you know, some guys will say, oh, I want to have a major league career, stuff like that. Um, for the most part, I mean, all, all the answers are pretty similar. Uh, but no, moving into that last question here on the podcast. So with me being an aspiring agent, you know, I'm big into name, image, and likeness, something I'm sure you've heard of being a, you know, a, a power five college commit. Um, going going to Texas A&M here in a couple of years. Uh, but when you do get that chance to capitalize on your name, image, and likeness when you head to College Station, what would be one dream brand that you would love to endorse, collaborate, or whatever it happens to be? Uh, what would that What would that one dream brand be? I would love if Wilson Baseball Glove would uh, sponsor me. Okay, I saw I saw Texas A&M and uh, uh, post all their new gloves that came out today. Those are some cool looking Wilson gloves that the, mm -hmm. that Wilson was making for A&M. Yes, sir. I saw. Um, I think uh, it was a catcher's glove. It was like it was a a, a tan glove uh, with it with the A and M logo. Um, it had the the whatever the type of purple is A and M is. I guess I really don't know the exact maroon. <laughs> um, or what whatever it is. I I saw I saw some pretty badass gloves there. Uh, but no man. Uh, that's all the questions I got for you. Really appreciate you coming on the show. I do want to wish you the best best of luck um, as you continue on with your career uh, these next couple of seasons here in high school and then as you head to College Station to play at A&M. Um, like I said, I'm pretty well connected with that A&M team, so I'm sure uh, I'll be able to, you know, head down there to College Station, watch you guys play some ball and potentially make a College World Series uh, there in a couple of years. So, no, just the best of luck, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, thank you for having me. I had a great time.